I'm rocking with the best. Who's the boss? Your shoulders knocking out the competition. The kick ass podcast that make you want to listen. The place where boxing fans and fighters rejoice. Thumbs up for Richie. You're listening to the fighter's voice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Fighter's Voice Podcast Radio Show. we got a great show for you this evening. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors. And guess what? I got three of them. One of them's myself, Richard Ortiz. One of them's our producer, Matteo. Thank you, Matteo, for sponsoring us. And Sophia, who is our landlord with this studio. So I'm keeping it real, and I'm thanking our three sponsors. Listen, tonight we got with us. I'm gonna say Fresno's own, right? Because I'll never forget that, but now, lately, we wanna say internationally known, global known, because we call him our own in Fresno, but I mean, the man is just taking over. It's, it's no longer Fresno. I'm just so grateful and thankful that we have an event coming back to Fresno in this man's hands. Uh, that's promoter Rick Morrigan. He's back at it again. Not just with Top Rank, but now with the zone uh, in collaboration with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing, bring on a great show because you know the the fighters and the fans they anticipate a great show every single time. They're spoiled. They no longer want the small shows. They want the the coliseums. They want the energy. They want the big shows. And who better to bring it to us than Mr. Rick Meridian? And we're going to talk about a date that's set, and that's October 16th, Fresno, California. But I want to get started by introducing our guest. Welcome to the show, promoter Rick Morrigan. How you doing, man? How, how, how's today treating you? Because I know you're busy. I know you're doing things. I mean, I'm stressed out. I have sleep deprivation. I, I'm, uh, I have anxiety. Uh, you know, but that's, that's normal for me during a fight promotion, so... I love you. Rick, as you know, you put on a lot of shows, but why is this show different? Uh, uh, talk to us about October 16th, Chicansey Park, headliner, Ford Division World Champion, Mikey Garcia. I think you started it off the right way, Ford Division World Champion. Last time you fought 55,000 people in Texas, you know, before that, selling the Staples Center out twice in a row. So, I mean, that, that's why it's special. Uh, so, you know, for me, I wanted to, you know, make a run at it. Uh, it was a tough decision, you know, for Mikey at first. He could have fought in Texas, you know, uh, that was his option. And, uh, you know, I basically just told him what I could do, you know, what my opinion was. And he, you know, he knows a little bit about me from Robert and Jose and the guys in the gym. So, you know, I got to thank him for giving me a chance to even handle something for him. And then, uh, you know, making a deal with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom was, um, you know, an honor as well. Just having a chance to do something with them, you know, they, they just did the, what I want to say, the world's largest boxing event with 70-something thousand people for Canelo in Texas. And they just came off of another sold-out stadium uh, with Usyk um, that we just saw. So um, you're talking about, you know, one of the world's largest, if not, you know, promoter that there is. So getting to work with someone like that in our town, and bringing a fight like this, I mean, that's, you gotta give it all you got till the bell rings. You know, Batman had Robin, Run had DMC, and now the collaboration of Eddie Hearn and Rick Meridian taking over Fresno. I mean, that has a good ring to it. When, when you hear your name in the same sentence with such a powerful promoter, 
how does that make you feel deep down, Ray? Look, it's just a, it's just a blessing to have a chance to, to work with him. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's just like a fighter in a championship fight. I know I'm good and I know I'm capable and I've already proven myself mm-hmm. with the amount of fights that I've done. So you know, there's no lack of confidence uh, with me. But yeah, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing to have a, a chance to work with someone like that, just like it is top rank, you know? So uh, every time I'm given an opportunity, I don't think you see me waste one of them, and and uh, I've always, you know, somehow, some way, pulled off a miracle. And this has been, you know, not an easy situation. I mean, life is a uh, opportunity, and you you have to find those opportunities. So this show needed to be promoted, and it only had 22 days effectively to market, find a location, promote, monetize, and uh, you know, uh, I took that challenge on. Um, and that was my opportunity. So, you know, opportunities, they don't come gift wrapped to you all the time the way you want. You've got to see one when someone else will turn away from it. You know, you've got to make that yours. And that, that was an example of what this is. Rick, you're like that standby fighter, man, that, that the other guy doesn't show up, the other guy didn't make weight, and you're just ready to go. Because usually you have X amount of time in, in, in numbers and to put together a great card. You were up against the ropes, and right now, it's like you're working double to make this happen because it's just around the corner. More like I'm working triple, but yeah, definitely. Uh, and we've done you know, wonders already. You know, the entire field is full. All, every table sold. You know, some as high as $15,000 a table. Every suite gone. Um, I mean, there's, we're already in a good place, I think. And you know, with the momentum coming and the other promotions that I have lined up, uh, you know, the Fresno Fair, you're going to see something, you know, special with Mark Castro that'll take place, big media event, you know, uh, you'll see a press conference being done uh, in a big way here, and some special surprises with that, so we're, we're doing well, and then, you know, in, in Fresno fashion, like you saw with Jamel Herring, and I had the 300 Marine from Pendleton walking out, and him riding a humpy to the ring, but we've got something that I know is going to make history with Mikey and his walkout that I've, that I've set up, so... I can't wait for the boxing world to see that, and let alone the, the regular world. But I know it's going to end up on Sports Center. I know news outlets will pick it up from, you know, the Associated Press, the CNN. Like, it's going to get that type of coverage because of what it is. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that, you know, that that especially, you know, fight night. Rick, when you know that, that the ball is rolling your way, when someone says, no, Rick, we're not going to do that, that's not going to work, I mean, because you don't seem to listen to that in, in whenever it's, you know, coming in with a hummy, uh, a, I mean, a, a tank. And I heard you went as far as you were even thinking of having him come down in a parachute. I was hearing different different rumors about that fight with Jamal Herring. Yeah, the parachute wasn't was on the table, but, you know, uh, you just you have to go through all the ideas and eliminate what you can. And, you know, there's no shortage of no's when, when you're doing, you know, an event like this. But I've, I've had a lot of no's on this one, but, you know, just been able to fight through them, and at the end of the day, just perseverance just gets things done. But, but it does take its toll, so I'd be lying to you if, you know, I'm not exhausted at night or mentally, you know, shocked, you know, throughout the week, just from the amount of, you know, calls and emails and discussions, and, you know, there's a lot of double and triple checking people that, you know, just can't seem to read or listen or anything else. They're just lazy in general. So 
when you're one person dealing with a hundred different people, you know, it, it takes its soul, you know, and in this situation, there's got no choice. You know, I've got my name on the line with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn, my name, you know, Mikey, I, I've got to perform, and it's just the way I look at it. You know, I, I know you've been waiting for your opportunity to, to work work with Mikey, and, and once it was confirmed, once it was like, okay, Rick, we're, we're gonna roll with you. What was that conversation like to yourself? Like, oh, okay, now it's time to turn it on, Rick. Because I know you do talk to yourself, you motivate yourself, or you just start kicking ass right then and there. That was it, you said it. I mean, just the, the time to flip the switch. As soon as, as, soon as I knew I, you know, he, he gave me the, the opportunity, then, the switch got flipped and I went right to work, you know, and uh, and it's worked, you know, we've got, you know, five big sponsors for the fight, all done in 20 days, including a casino, uh, a beer distributor, um, you know, big car outlet, uh, you know, not to mention the amount of sales that have taken place, you know, with this fight, and, you know, there's, you know, unfortunately, you know, where Mikey's at in between fights, you know, this is not a Spence or something, so, um, there's been some challenges with, you know, things, and we've overcome those. Like Mikey's big enough, and I can see that his he he has such a fan base in Northern California that there's an appetite to uh, come and see him. And, and you don't know that until you get out there and take the risk of putting a fight here in Fresno, and you know, promoting through this belt. And again, there's been no mainstream uh, marketing done from matchroom meaning there's no tv spots billboards running radio campaigns like this has been done more through the pr efforts regionally that i've been doing social you know those kind of things getting our sponsors to market the fight the beer distributor you know activating to its outlets up and down the region to 1800 stores you know the casino you know helping just it's this is a this is about as grassroots and effort-based as you can get to, to promote a fight. So you're seeing what you're seeing without the, the time, like you alluded to, of me getting 60 billboards, 3,000 TV spots, you know, planning efficiently. So this is a this is a real dogfight, you might say, to, from a promotional standpoint. The Rick Marigan template, you, you know, I mean, it, it, you, you can't even put it in concrete because you don't know what you're going to maneuver, but you have it in your brain, in your heart, and, and just your drive, man. A lot of people, they want to know where, where in the hell do you get it from? I mean, from from comments from, from um, you know, Lee Samuels, from uh, Evan. I mean, they just say the man doesn't sleep. So you've been waiting for this, anticipating the opportunity. The opportunity is here. Now, Rick, one thing you didn't mention is history in the making because Fresno has never, ever hosted a four-division world champion. No, they haven't, you know, let alone all the connections that there is with this fight to us. I mean, you have Jose Ramirez, that's his stablemate. Share, you know, his bro Mikey's brother trains Jose. They're all from a farm working background, Mikey included, Jose, Robert, Big G. Uh, you have the Valley Roots there that tie into, you know, the current labor and, and drought issues that we're currently going through. So there's real symmetry on top of it being a rare situation to get someone like this to fight in our city you know it just it very rare and where, where do i get it from that's an easy easy answer very easy uh wa watching my mom as a young kid you know she was a single mother that raised me you know herself watching her make reindeer out of you know palm trees split in half by putting a red 
Christmas tree bulb on the nose and eyes glued on it and selling it at a yard sale or going to the Sunnyside swap meets here in Fresno, you know, with her every weekend, you know, watching her hustle and make deals. That's where I learned how to make deals, the God's honest truth. Those swap meets, I bought and sold everything from clothes to baseball cards to you name it. And I'm talking about at an age as early as four. So uh, that's where that drive comes from uh, is 100% her. You know, you, you see that and, you know, it just it leaves its lasting impressions on you. And she still yard sales to this day. She will still have a yard sale on the weekend. She will get up and go buy something for two bucks and sell it for ten. And I'm not kidding when I say that. That sounds like Rick Marian's mother. <laughs> Enough said there. Now, now listen. We're not just getting Mikey, and, and we're gonna go back and talk about Mikey's career and in, in, in the next option for Mikey. You know, if, if everything goes um, like we planned that October 16th. But we get with us, and this is one fight I'm very excited about, and that's Bam Rodriguez gets his opportunity to fight for a world title, and if successful, joins his brother, Joshua Frankel, to become two brothers with two world titles. Yeah, I look at it as they're, they're, the, they're the real Maloney's. <laughs> Remember the Maloney's, that, what the Maloney's were supposed to be? The Frankos are that. You know, th- this kid is unbelievable. Andrew and Jason, like his yeah. Older brother, I do think he gets his strap that night. And look, Robert Garcia is so high on this kid. Um, you know, one of the best fighters that he's seen in a while. Uh, this kid has the ability to go through multiple weight classes as he gets older and, and win out. Like, he's a special one. So, yes, big fight. You're going to see the future uh, of those, you know, weight classes right on display in Fresno. And they're going to be like, I saw that kid in Fresno fight. You know, because next you're going to see this kid fighting all over the world. You know, he's he's that good. And then you have, you know, the Mark Castro from Fresno, obviously one of the most highly touted amateurs, you know, to sign and go pro in the last decade out of Fresno. Uh, he signed with Matchroom. So this is his homecoming. Uh, he went to Sunnyside High, uh, born and raised in Fresno, you know, was valedictorian there. So he's got a big crowd coming. Uh, without question, that's going to be loud and there to support him. So you have that bout on there. And look, these fights are going to start at 1.30 in the afternoon. So if you're a real fight fan, like you probably have never seen these many this many bouts on a card ever. So you're definitely getting your money's worth Saturday, October 16th. Those fights will start at 1.30 in the afternoon. I have a question. Oh, we got a question? Oh, just, okay. What's it coming from? Uh, from why did Chancey Park and not say Mark? Anyone who knows this is live. Uh, say what's that again. Li- okay, what's live? The podcast? Yes, yes. Uh, the podcast is live to answer this question. And uh, the question's coming in from who? What's, what's the guy's name? Jesus M. Jesus M. asked a question. Why Chachancy, uh Park and not say Mark Center? That's an easy, that's an easy answer. Um, the ambiance in a baseball stadium when the weather's right, which the weather's perfect for us, it's second to none. The amount of things that you can do from a show standpoint, like massive fireworks, surprising the entire crowd by opening the center field wall and seeing what happens with a walkout that you can't do inside of a an arena. Uh, it's just a different feeling, a different environment. And people have not got to experience many fights in a stadium or a stadium environment where we live ever. In fact, I was the first person to do one in this place with the Jamel Herring uh, fight. So 
it's just another level of entertainment when you have a chance to do one in a stadium. You know, the the lighting, the ambiance, it's just it's a, it's an incredible atmosphere. You know, Rick, I, I was there for the Jamal Herring, and there's nothing like being outdoors. You see the lights, the, the fireworks. You, you feel that bass in, in your chest. And there's not a bad seat in the house, but there's nothing like having that VIP table, man. I'm telling you. So fans want to know, are you completely sold out? Is Can they buy uh, those tables? And if so, how do they get them? So we've sold these tables out in the suite. So as of now, you just have to check back on my Instagram page or you know, uh, with me posting, if we added any, you know, every day we've been, I've been able to add one or two, you know, with the box office, you know, they've been able to, you know, find sections to, to add a couple here or there. So, uh, tomorrow I'll, I'll do another check at the box office and, you know, if I'm able to add one or two, I will. And then, uh, I'll post it and usually I'll have, you know, 20 messages waiting for them. So if you got a table, you got lucky. There you are. We have another one, huh? Uh, Samuel Torres. Samuel Torres. Are you yes, that's, a, that's an interesting young man right there. Um, obviously, I've worked with Flores, who I made the youngest deal in the history of boxing for, um, you know, with top rank. So, you know, seeing seeing another young man come across that's got talent, that's just a diehard, live, eat, breathe, and sleep boxing, you know, type of kid, is, it's, been, it's been neat to see. And then on top of that, you know, he's making his rounds. He's constantly sparring and and, and training with, with high-level guys from Devin Haney to Ruben Villa to, I mean, you name it, this, this young man is uh, is out there. So he's definitely someone that I've kept my eye on and, you know, uh, very close and watching him continue to develop and continue to, uh, you know, put all of his effort into the sport. So uh, there's no question that he's going to be a special kid when, when he turns pro. So uh, you can bet on that. And mom was asking the question. Oh, and his mother was asking the question. It just came up right now. You've got a special young man there, Mom. Now, listen, um, we got some other questions coming in, so I'm, I'm going to pull some up right now, and I'm going to read them to you. So I'm just going to go random. Okay, uh, Jim Al Herring, uh, WBO Junior Lightweight Champion of the World. Ask Rick if he remembers our first meeting when Jose and I were roommates at the Olympic Trials. I do. That's why I put that fight on for him, and he wasn't my fighter, and I was doing Top Ring's job and, and at that time. And so the reason I did all that is because I do remember that, and I do remember him. And to be honest, he was probably the only person. He was the only person that Jose would tell me was like him, dedicated, focused, just a good human being, well mannered, well tempered, wasn't crazy, didn't party. Uh, and then as I got to know him his background the things that he's dealt with with his daughter i mean i don't know if there's a finer ambassador out there for us than him it's like you watch his fights and he, he's always an underdog and you just root your ass off for him like you can't help but want him to win and he wins because he just has that you know that x factor in him uh you know and a, and a lot of people you know they call me and they make comments about you know stevenson and his fight coming up and it's, I tell them all the same thing. You just have no idea what a Marine does with his back up against the wall. And it sounds like a cliche to tell, tell somebody, but it's truly 
the right analogy for him in any of these world title fights that he's in. You are going to have to kill him in there in order to beat him. And he's not going to make mistakes. He's a calculated, skillful guy. So uh, just a very special fighter out there. And, and I've been lucky to you know work with him and just watch him over the years. I grew up with that class of fighters, Jose, Jamel, Spence, like all those guys I, I came up with. So it's even more special for me, you know, seeing him win all these world titles, beat all these guys that everyone says he can't. I love it. I mean, it came to ha- it couldn't have happened to a better human being than him. You know, and he's getting paid a shitload of money on this fight, and he deserves every penny of it for what he's been through. Yes, he does. And, and let's add that the man's always walking around in fight shape. I mean, the man is shredded all the time. He, he's always ready to go. Yeah, he de- he definitely has some some alien genetics there. <laughs> I've never even seen him with, with with nothing less than a forty pack. You're not exaggerating at all, one bit. Let me see. I have one more for it. No, I got a couple more. Let me see what we have here for you. Um, who's this here? Eric from Dog Boxer. Tell him I'm a tell him a huge thank you as always. Amazing shows, bringing the best boxing to the Central Valley, Northern California, and now worldwide. Eric's a real fight fan. I'm, I've known him for a while. There, there's not a fight that he doesn't know about, go to, especially in our region. Like that's a real fight fan. I think he's been to most every fight that that I've done, or from Stockton or Fresno, from from way back. So, you know, he, he, he's definitely a real fight person. Yes, he is. Let me see who else do we have. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Brad Goodman from uh, Top Rank. He's one hell of a manager, agent, hardest worker in boxing, and looking forward to seeing him October 16th. And I will add, Brad's making the trip down there to not only watch but support but embrace Mikey Garcia as well as the fans, the followers, and supporters of Fresno, California. That's incredible. This is it really is. From, this is coming from a legend who has cussed me out, thrown me out of his office, and I've just been in some wars with. But he's one of the most honest, trustworthy, and best at what he does in the sport. Like He's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Fame matchmaker. The engine at top rank functions because of him. That's, the, that's just the God's honest truth. That He, he is that engine that keeps these fighters matched, keeps talent flowing in, and uh, he doesn't stop. So uh, that that's definitely an honor coming from him. Trust me. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. You told me that a while back uh, ago about Brad. Let me see who else we have here. Um, I love people that, that just, you know, are not candy-coated. He'll tell you if he's happy, he'll tell you if he's sad, and he'll tell you exactly what he's feeling. And And that's what every one of my friends I grew up with does and you 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 have to respect that about somebody absolutely let's see what we have um okay from virgil ortiz uh senior he goes ask rick is senior getting a raise <laughs> and he says you know what he's he's the manager and his goal okay what is your goal as a manager and what do you see virgil doing in the near future Jeez, this is a, a serious answer. So first of all, that's that's El Jefe. That's that's Virgil's dad is, and that's the boss. You know, so I work for them. But the, my honest, just straightforward answer is, Virgil is the face of boxing 
period, moving forward. He's our next Canelo that can move through all of the higher weight classes um, and, and be a world champion at each of them. He's so young. He's so vibrant. This is a young man with a personality of gold, meaning you, know, you would never guess someone that hits that hard, speaks that soft, and plays a guitar. Like it's <laughs> it's like that Jose Ramirez parallel where you would just never imagine the ferocity from someone like that who's just so well balanced outside of the ring and caring, gentle, artist you know, artistic, you know, just it's incredible. But look, that is the future one hundred percent of boxing. Not the Ryan Garcia's, no offense to him. He's a genius marketer and you know, you have to look at Garcia and have nothing but respect and applaud him for what he's done. But Ortiz is a real fighter. And 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 you can bank your promotional company on Ortiz moving forward. And uh, he's he's just got the 360-degree package. Um, he's got the right team uh, behind him. Uh, his dad keeps him, you know, grounded, you know, keeps him focused training. Not that he needs it. It's in him anyway, but his dad's, you know, constantly watching him this kid is the future of the boxing period and there's not a single person that can provide an argument against that that would call in right now at his age with his record and his talent and his opponent roster he's already fought it's incredible in fact after mean machine and him fought i went over to mean machine to shake his hand and and his manager aegis mean machine put his arm around me and said rick you have the face of boxing right there uh that that you manage and he goes i should know rick he goes i've fought the best he goes i've been in there with the best he goes virgil is the best and you know he fought crawford and and everybody else mean machine said nothing but the greatest praise you can imagine about ortiz that kind of respect i have not heard a fighter say after a fight about anyone now i've seen fighters be respectful and i've seen them be appreciative and i've seen them congratulate the other one but to flat out say these things after a fight like that i mean that that's incredible so mark my words you know virgil virgil ortiz becomes the the face of our sport and rightfully so because he can carry it in and out of the ring um without question and i think he'll he'll fill cowboy stadium you know a few times and look you know he's he's got canelo's respect i mean uh, after the fight in Texas last time, uh, his dad's like smiling at me. He goes, "Oh, that was Canelo that just just called him right, right now." Canelo called him right when we went to the locker room. So, you you know that's 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 huge. You know, Canelo calling him and and you know staying up on him and and, and that kind of thing. That's that says a lot. You see that once every thirty years in boxing with that young man. Trust me. No, I I, I agree with you. He he is a definitely a talent. Sometimes, no matter how good you are, you have to be lucky. And me, I got lucky. Like, them giving me the opportunity that they did, uh, I, I mean, I, I got lucky, and, and I'm grateful for it. And I tell them that after every fight. Like, you know, just to be able to work and do the stuff I've done for him, I mean, it's, it's just, I'm telling you, special, special one. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, we're going to go by this one. Okay. This is coming from um, Sean Gibbons. He says, tell Rick, first of all, wow, I'm a huge fan of Rick. He has brought pride and recognition to the Central Valley as well as the world. Please let him know 
If I was an upcoming fighter, I would sign with Rick M, the best manager in the game. Viva fucking Rick. So, funny story with him. He, uh, the first time I met him, I had not put on a fight. I had not done anything. Matter of fact, I think it was Tatsy Palace I was doing an event at, and he was there in a, in a working role for top rank at the time. He treated me like I was Bob Arum. Like, I even I couldn't understand why he was treating me with such respect and so good. But that's who that is. Like, he he's the definition of as you treat someone in the beginning, they're going to grow and end up somewhere. And you, you treat everybody with, with respect and, 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 and so forth. That's him. And, and look, let's be honest. I want to be him. <laughs> he's, he's the Ray Donovan of boxing, if you know Ray Donovan. This is a guy that gets anything done, knows everybody. You're going to see him in the Philippines, then you're going to see him in Texas, you're going to see him with Manny Pacquiao, then you're going to see him with Chavez Jr. He does everything and every aspect of the sport, from, from being a boxer to managing to promoting to organizing. I mean, this is a, an incredible you know, person. But, you know, I think the most incredible thing about him is he, treats, he just treats everybody with the same. That respect, unless you cross him, of course, like anyone. But, I mean, he, he would treat – he treated me from day one when I hadn't done anything, you know, like he does now. And like he does the janitor or the CEO. So, you know, coming from him, I mean, that's another compliment. I mean, that's a huge compliment coming from him. But trust me, uh, he just got done handling Pacquiao's, you know, last three big fights and working with Pacquiao's promotional company. I mean, this is, a, I mean, that's that's the dream right there. So, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that's that's the dream. He's done he's done everything you can do in the sport of boxing. There's nothing he hasn't done. I will add that that he is a class act. He does all the above and still manages to be good to people, still manages he, to, to go out of his with, way for people. Richard, he, he could be with Manny Pacquiao in the Philippines while Manny's getting accepted as president, then while Manny's getting ready to fight, and he still will remember you in Fresno and reach out to you and text you uh, while doing all of that at the highest level. That's why I'm telling you he's a different breed. Like, People don't do that in this day and age. You know, he will take the time out to remember the littlest thing at the busiest moment. You know, I'm not kidding. That's that you won't find that again. You don't have to convince me, brother. I mean, believe me, he's done so much for me. Just, just being there, his kind words, his gestures, and just continues to surprise and knock my socks off every single time, man. I mean, he's definitely yeah. a, a class act in, in one in a million. Agreed. So let me see what we got next coming here. Who's this from? Okay. Oh, this is a good question. From Frank Astea from uh, Top Rank. Ask him which fighter could really use his representation right now, and what would you do to further his or her career? <laughs> he, would, he would give me that, that tough trick question that I got to just throw out there. Man, that's a tough one. There's there's probably a few guys that I would that I would want to do that with. Problem is I can't say a few of them because they they already have managers. But sure. if I had to pick a guy just right now that I'd say Mikey Garcia, hands down. Mikey Garcia. Hey, there's no argument there. 
And what else does he add? Ask. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, he knows you pretty well. He said, ask him, besides a big booty, what is his weakness? A slot machine. There you go. That's it. Those that, two things are death combined. Yes, they are. And and that with a smile is just, yeah, you're asking yourself to put a harness around your neck and jump. I don't know about the harness around my neck. But <laughs> well, with, with the, you know what I'm I talking about. Though. Yes. Stuck that in there. I wasn't going to let that one slide. There you go. Let me see what we have here. Is somebody asking a question live? Yes. They are? Yes. Well, why is the tone? Keep it real. Rick can handle that. What does it say and who is it from? Uh, Gary Logan. Gary Logan. Why is Mikey Garcia fighting such a no-name opponent? Okay. Why is, this, this is the guy that knows a lot about boxing. Why is Mikey Garcia fighting such a no-name opponent? The, the same reason that nine other you know, multi-division world champions have to fight a guy like this in between fights. I'm sure you can pull up a box wreck on just about any of them, and you're going to see a couple on there that – fit the bill you know mikey's in, the, in, in getting ready to go into some of the sports most elusive and biggest fights that that there is so you know this opponent is not as bad as you may think either just because you haven't heard of him but uh, that that's a simple answer to that to that question you know you just don't run in there uh and and, and jump in with another spence a pro grade some of those things you know you with the delays and the time off and the COVID situations and then, you know, just the environment that we're in in the sport period. So, you know, again, we're talking about a guy that fills a stadium and how many of those are in the sport right now? Four, maybe Canelo, Pacquiao, he's done. Mayweather, he's done. Actually, he doesn't count. We have Canelo, Fury. Who else? Our heavyweight just got beat. Uh, You know, that that brings him in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's about probably four to six of them. But that's it. So Mikey's yeah. one of them. So you have to be very careful, you know, with your career and, and being prepared properly when going into these massive, you know, competitive fights that are the top of the sport. So, I mean, that's 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 definitely why. That answers that. Is there any more coming in from there? Mm-hmm. Who else we got? Rick V says, hey, ask Rick if he needs a bodyguard, DJ Cook, driver, or bad boy. It's a joke. I've been asking him that for a while. From Rick V. Tell him I do all that stuff myself, like everything else, <laughs> you know, for for an event or anything else that I do. So uh, I definitely know how to cook, and I cook very well. And um, so most of that stuff I, I definitely will do myself. And the reason why is because I want it to get done right. That's the <laughs> compulsive disorder I have. Like, I'm very hard to delegate stuff with. You know, I can't. There's, there's a high level of trust I don't have for something getting done the way that I want, as fast as I want, at the capacity I want, and the effort level I want. So that's the reason why I don't work well with a lot of people under or down the food chain. You know, usually I'm dealing and I deal fine with people, you know, at the top of the food chain because they have similar personalities, but um, that's probably one of the faults I may have is that. You know, I I don't get along too well down the trough, you know, with, with people. And it's not because I dislike them. It's just there's a certain work ethic and a certain approach to things that I have. And that's, look, everything is critical. Everything is life-changing. And everything 
is a, is a priority, you know, when I'm doing an event, especially, you know, on 21 days notice or, or if Jose's involved or anything. So, I mean, that's the problem. If I have a problem that, you know, exists. Right on. Let me see. I know there's one there. I saw one earlier uh, from the genius himself. Okay. I'm going to pull him up. When I say genius, I'm talking about Hall of Fame genius. And um, you, you may know where I'm going with this. I mean, the, the guy, every question that he asks or every time he comes something, okay, I'm going to go ahead and read it right here. Everyone? It says, well, he, he says, Rick used to, uh, well, every question that I have coming from this man right here, and, and this is Hall of Famer Lee Samuels. And, of course, he's letting me know. He says, yeah, Rick started off with concerts, working upcoming boxing live events, and here's here's another question that he has. Uh, that was a comment. He says, "How many fight? How many fighters does Rick have? How many does he promote? What's the final count on his roster? And who's his next big breakout star?" Look, I've got thirteen amazing fighters now, and uh, you know I get so many emails and calls. I mean, daily I've got you know three to five requests to sign guys. I got one today, and I can't tell you his name that I'm excited about and honored that I'll be working with soon. I'm actually going to do a management agreement with him and talk to him today, but I can't tell you his name right now. But th there is one that I'm doing that with. But I have 13 guys. <laughs> Can you uh, tell me what division he's in? All of them important, and, and uh, I think the breakout star, meaning you know, just the, is Virgil. Like that's that's the young, hungry one that I think just breaks out and just blows everybody's mind with with where he's going and he says okay um okay he says there's a, a fresno uh sports anchor i am thinking about he has covered all of jose's fights then he was hospitalized for a little while but um he he's still doing um his his best to continue to move forward and he's one of jose's biggest uh supporters and that's uh bud elliott he just wanted you to know that. Yeah, he's a fine human being. I've known him since I was very young, watched him growing up on the news channels, and he has uh, followed Jose's entire career, um, traveled, done everything. Very fine human being, like Lee Samuels. Just Those are just good human beings. I don't have one-tenth of the, the human being factor that those guys do. Literally, I don't have one-tenth of the people that they are. Those, those are amazing people in general. Rick, when's the promoter's hat turned off? I mean, when when do you just get to do? I mean, during this time, of course, you got to eat, you got to survive, you got to you got to sleep. Never turned off. If there's a can of soup on my countertop, I'm gonna make that can of soup the best can of soup you've ever seen in your life. I'm gonna talk about that can of soup like it's dropped from heaven. So, uh, and I mean, uh, I never stop promoting. I don't care if it's a can of soup, a fighter, a concert, a promoter, the parking stall that I'm gonna pull up to and park into just the thought process there is you take what's available and you make it as good as you possibly can at all costs and that's that's the mentality of everything i look at literally everything that i look at do we got another live question yeah, awesome. lots of them like how many do we got coming in just so i can let them know we can't get all of them but we'll I'll tackle the one phone if you need to. I okay mean, I, I blocked off a couple hours so it's up to you okay I, the shoot away. I get back to you as often as I should, so I owe you anyways. <laughs> okay, this is a, a comment and a question from okay. Santeo. Santeo? Media? Santeo Media. Uh, 
hard to Jose Ramirez and that earned him a bunch of new talent. I know he has a lot of, of fighters, but can you tell us what's up next with Ruben Diaz, Brian Villa, and Luciano Rodriguez? Did you hear those three names? Yeah, so Ruben Villa, uh, working with right now as we speak, you know, planning his stuff out. You know, I think we see Ruben fight in December again, uh, if not, uh, you know, January for sure. So Ruben's a special talent as well. You know, he won six of those rounds against Navarrete. Um, you know, uh, if the knockdown doesn't take place, you know, he wins half the fight. So, you know, Ruben's no question going to win a world title in his time. And, uh, and he's a competitor. He took all of that, got up and won six rounds. How many guys do you know that could do that? You know, definitely. Brian Lua. So I don't manage Brian. Uh, I do care about Brian, though, because he's from Fresno. Yeah. And I've watched him grow up and everything else. So uh, I can't tell you exactly what's going on with him. But I can tell you that I hope that he gets his shot. He's had a lot of injuries over the years. But his talent is immense still. So he just needs to stay active. And that's a kid that could absolutely be a world champion. Um, and, and right now still considered a blue chip prospect in the boxing world, if you know boxing. He just hasn't been active because of those injuries that he was sidelined with, you know, for a couple years. But he's back. He's fighting again. And, uh, you know, um, I'm a fan when it comes to watching him. So can't tell you exactly what's going on with him. A friend of mine manages him, but uh, I can tell you that I do root for him and tune in and watch every time he fights. I, I just, I, you know, hope the best for him every time. Hey, I, so do I, and he's from my hometown, Madera, California. What's the next question? Uh, Jesus the, M. Go ahead. Jesus M. Uh, he wanted to know, if you weren't a manager, what would you be? If you weren't a manager, Rick, what would you be from Jesus M? I am, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a promoter. A promoter, a manager, you know, that's, that's uh, what I am. You mean if I wasn't those two things, I'd be a lawyer. Without question. That's what I wanted to be. I love to argue. I'm quick as far as, you know, just having a comeback or being witty or trying to figure stuff out. But absolutely, I would have been a lawyer. In fact, that's what I was going to go to school for. I went to, you know, I graduated Valvetorian, my high school. And then, you know, I went and toured Berkeley's Bolt Hall, you know, for law. And, uh, you know, that was always my passion. I, I love, I love it. But, you know, my gift is, I think, you know, being being a marketer, a promoter, you know, and, and a manager. I think those, that's my my gift I found. But I'd, I'd be a lawyer if I wasn't that. Great question and great answer. Gary Logan, uh, what are uh, Rick's thoughts on the Teofimo Lopez George Campos Triller situation? I think it's a circus, and I think it's a shame. Uh, uh, these poor young men have been delayed, momentum lost. Uh, just parts of their career they won't get back. And then, like, the stuff I'm seeing now where the Cambosa side is, he's feeling the frustration, you know, with the date changes and all that yeah. stuff that you guys are reading out there. Like, he doesn't want to agree to that date change. Or I think he's in Australia still. So now he's pushing back on the latest date. And it's just sad to see all that. There's just so much chaotic stuff wrong with this whole scenario. And, you know, if I'm Cambosa... I'm looking at this scenario a little bit, a lot different than Lopez. Cambosa's earning potential, this is four careers in one for him in this fight. Yeah. Like, this payday he will not see again, and no. it will change the rest of his life and his kid's life and his kid's kids. you got to wear white gloves as much as you can on your side, given what you have at stake. Fighting back so hard, pushing back so hard, 
you know, it's not like he has a background of a Canelo or a Lopez where he can afford to take those risks, in my opinion. You know, he's got to be more calculated when pushing back with that type of aggression to the person that has to write him that $2.1 million check. That's my thoughts on that side. Great fighter, and I want to see the fight as much as anyone, but the manager part of me, looking at that situation, having, I think he's got a lawyer now, Canelo's lawyer who's advocating, one of the smartest guys in the sport, but he's not Canelo's my, you know, my question there, you know, in that situation. It's, you know, do you take the same aggressive nature as you would with Canelo with him? In my opinion only, I wouldn't with that one. I would, I would approach that a little bit different to keep that thing intact as much as I can, you know, given his side of the fight. Now with Lopez, I would be pissed off and I would, you know, I can see that approach coming from him. He has that earning potential day in and day out moving forward. So I think he could gamble, make them pay him a few bucks here and there and make higher demands on his end and likely, likely get a met. So that's, that's how my approach would be there. But I just, uh, I feel bad for them both because, you know, Tia Fimo is a, is a star in the sport and he's someone that, uh, the sport desperately needs, keeps eyes on the sport, tremendous fighter, even though I, you know, playfully just talk shit and joke, you know, I don't know if he thinks I'm serious or not, but I never am. I have nothing but respect for him and, you know, he, he's helping the sport single-handedly with the attention he brings. But, you know, I just think he could have fought two or three times during these delays, you know, that have taken place and not lost any momentum and still made more money, you know. So I feel bad for him on that standpoint that they haven't produced his fight, you know. So, you know, that's that's my feelings on, on both sides, you know, for, for both fighters. Rick, I, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna change up a bit, and we're, we're gonna go back to some of these questions. I want to talk to you about something that you've been posting lately, and uh, I'm just waiting for for you to capture because there's always a blurry or or a picture. We're not sure if it's real or not, brother. But you got some live animals walking behind your yard, your backyard. I mean, you got you got bears and you got tigers, and <laughs> and I said you're gonna get that one in a million shot of Bigfoot just just walking by and. If it's anybody, it's going to be you. Yeah, no, I, I really do think Bigfoot's going to come knock on my door. Hey, I'm going to end up having to promote him or something. Like, it's going to happen. I I have everything from bears to coyotes to foxes to raccoons. There's some – there's an animal. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I've yet to identify it that walks by. And, you know, I call it the Dr. Seuss Highway or Noah's Ark uh, Highway in front of me. Like, this, it's mind-blowing what – what walks right there but it's definitely an adventure uh every time i get a notification on the camera definitely hey listen man pretty soon you're gonna see a human fighter walk across and just trying to get a hold of you like hey give me a contract man i'm ready to sign with you i mean you're you're really gonna capture that all jokes aside i mean have you ever had any fighters that just i don't want to say hound you they were just so um, persistent, like, hey, just give me this opportunity, and you know, you just didn't have a uh, the the time form, or or you just weren't into that fighter. How many fighters approach you on a daily? You you, you mentioned that early in the show. So I, I don't think that there's not fighters that are overly persistent because I'm overly honest with them when I talk to them. So while they're persistent at first, I also you know don't BS anyone, and you know how blunt I am, so. Yeah. I basically just will say 
what I feel is the truth. If I can't help you, I'm going to tell you why I can't help you, what my opinion is. It doesn't mean that that's the end all just because I've said that, but that's that's my opinion and why I can't do anything or why I'm not going to be able to. So uh, I do tell, you know, most everyone if I can or can't because I, you know, I don't sign everybody. And the ones that I do sign, I have, you know, a commitment to the, to, to get stuff done for. So, um, no, nobody's overly persistent. They may be at first, but, you know, I don't give them a fake answer or lead them on or that kind of thing. So usually I, it stops, you know, after I, I'm honest with them, which, you know, I'd want somebody to be honest with me also. What, what, what is the, the, the jewel? What, what is that you don't have your hands on yet, but. Share with the world, man, that, that you're after. What is that jewel? What, from a boxing standpoint? <laughs> from life. Life. What is the jewel of life that I haven't... Uh, Embraced haven't... it. I mean, you're ready to embrace it. You just, you haven't had your hands or the opportunity yet, and you're still chasing it. You know, it sounds odd, but it's like, you know, I don't dream of, having five Ferraris or, you know, mansions or none of that. Like that's to me, like not, not something on my radar or even care about. I think to me more finding a challenge and trying to overcome it is, is more of a jewel. So I'd like to say at this point, like I've picked up every challenge that I've wanted and I've tried at it to this point. So I don't really have a regret or something I'm still dying to do. Uh, that I haven't tried or challenged myself with. So those things develop with time. So as certain things get completed, then I, I didn't look, you know, for the next thing and, or it just comes to me of that's what I want to do next. You know, so I've been fortunate enough to like, you know, tackle, tackle what I would say dreams are. And I've of course failed at some, got caught some of them, but never a lack of not getting the, the opportunity win or lose. I get those opportunities. So I, I don't really have one at this point that, that I'm chasing, you know, they, they kind of chase me sometimes, to be honest with you. Like I, that's what happens. You know, it'll, it'll find me. This weird stuff finds me. And you know that the craziest things that no one would ever understand or believe, except the people that know me, they find me. Like for instance, the, the first NFL helmet ever worn a game that you, saw me post on Instagram. I'm in the Rams ownership office with the Cronky that owns the Rams with the first helmet ever used in an NFL football game. That was a Rams helmet that now I get to help market and sell that ended up in my hands in Fresno, California. Like that found me, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. This weird stuff just finds me. The first baseball card ever made 1869 Peck and Snyder, only four of them. It finds me. Then I do my job with it, and the next thing I know, I'm on Jay Leno on President Obama's inauguration night to 30 million people. It's weird stuff like that, you know? A guy blows up a casino in Lake Tahoe, uh, Harvey's and Harrah's, you know, right there. Uh, blows it to the ground. The guy plays basketball in Fresno with me, you know, 12 years ago. I foul him on accident, don't even know who I'm fouling. That leads to me getting a movie deal done called Bombing Harvey's and going down an incredible path you wouldn't even believe like a real life oceans 11 movie a real one like those things just find me so I, that's i don't gotta go looking for them it'll just find me here's a here's an honest question and i want you to find this okay 
If you were to start a podcast, what would you call it? Who would be your host? What would be your topics? And who would be your co-host? So I can't answer all of those, no matter how good I am uh, on the spot. But <laughs> okay. I think that I think that I would have fun with doing a talk show on all the mistakes that I've made from day one. I mean everything. Because it would be animated, truthful, and stuff people don't get to hear on a regular basis, but they want to hear. Like, I'm talking about every mistake with girlfriends, every mistake with, you know, just personally from paying my phone bills later, getting behind on your taxes, or, you know, just not, just everything a normal person will go through that just makes a shitload of mistakes on, like, that's what I would base the talk show on, is just talking about each one of those mistakes, and then what was done to fix them, uh, you know, what what can be done, but there's such a laundry list of them. I mean, it, it would be mind-blowing, and there's some hilarious mistakes in there from being 16 years old and going and buying a car without my mom knowing, excuse me, 13 years old, buying a car uh, at the guy's door, driving it home, the transmission stopping in the middle of Shaw Avenue, <laughs> and then me trying to figure out, well, how do I get my money back? I was a minor and went and bought a Honda Accord that nobody even knew about. Now I'm stuck in the middle of Shaw, and I've used all the money that I saved up that was intended for something else. And, you know, like there's a mistake. And it's just like, but it's hilarious, like some of these stupid things that have happened over the years like that. What was that but drive yeah. like? What was that drive like, a 13-year-old buying his first car? So, I, you know, I grew up in the hood. So, uh the, the drive wasn't nothing. My friends were stealing cars back then, and you know, it wasn't uncommon to look over and see a screwdriver in, in, the, in the you know gear deal where you, you turn a, the key. So the driving part wasn't weird. Being stopped in the middle of the road on Shaw and having a cop come come over now that that was the weird part. Like that was that, not the driving part. You, you learn you learn young how to drive a car, you know. But definitely weird when you have to explain to your mom to the cop. I mean, you got a lot of explaining to do. Where'd you get the money to buy the car from? Uh, which, you know, I got from buying and selling everything you can possibly imagine. Nothing illegal, you know, but you got to explain that. Then you got to explain to the officer why you're driving it. Then you got your mom who's cussing and screaming and you can't make out any other word but a cuss word. You got to explain to her, you know, why you went and did that. So that's that was the weird part. Uh, but but you learned from it, and you could talk about it now, and uh, you would uh, share that on, on your talk show. That, one, that might be the one I didn't learn from because I continue to do some stupid things like that. And, as far as like investments or just see things that you just want to go after? Just too many examples to fill the show up, but that's okay. why I would have a talk show that just talked about all of the mistakes made along the way. And I continue to make to this day. Do you see the growth up from those mistakes or, you know, do you know going in, okay, this is a possible mistake, but the stubbornness and the belief that I have in myself is going to get done. So I think there's a, you know, the risk taker genetic displacement is what causes <laughs> most of those. It's the risk taking that's just embedded into your genes that, that causes it. So you know, approaching certain situations, sometimes you don't quite think out all of the consequences, you know, to the situation. That's the problem. You know, that, that's where that's where things get get uh, bad. You know, you just a risk taker doesn't always calculate those, you know, consequences like someone more conservative would be, you know, or would do.
Rick, um, a, a week and a half ago, uh, we had Jose Ramirez with us in studio, and he seemed very focused. He seemed uh, well-rested, and he's ready to, to get back into the ring. Now, I'm just trying to cut these uh, 15 questions in half, and I'll go ahead and ask it for him. Is there a fight date coming up for, for Jose, and when can the fans see him back in the ring? Because there's a couple questions with the, with the same question. He'll fight, he'll fight January, late January, uh, mid to late January. That, that's when he'll return, and uh, Fresno was a front runner for that, that situation. Sounds good. Hey, enough said. Now that that they should know to look forward and and get a late uh, Christmas present for uh, everybody in Fresno, California that watches and supports him. Uh, yeah. No, exactly. And you know, Christmas is just going to come a, a couple uh, weeks late for for a lot of them. Yeah, he's a, uh, you know, he's got the second part of his career and a, a massive one at that. That's that's going to unfold and and start to take place. And you know, that's exciting. You know, they're. You know, no matter what, that's that's my first guy, and the, you know, there's no Rick without Jose. There's I'm I'm there's I'm not here. That's for sure. No question, I'm not here. Yeah, so, you know that that remains a you know a close passion and, and personal thing to me to you know help guide the second part of his career coming up. And you know, I just know he's got some very special things that uh, are going to take place in the second part. And uh, you're still top of the food chain top of the food chain from a, a pay standpoint, top of the food chain with his options, you know, on what he can do and who he can fight. He uh, is probably the most intense competitor I know. Uh, that loss that took place, I mean, it's almost bad to say, like, you know, part of me wishes that it happened just because I know his personality. And it's, you know, basically what's happened is they, a monster has been fine-tuned. Like, Whatever weakness he may have had, he's now he now knows what he needs to do with it. He's that ultimate competitor. He's the toughest on himself more than anyone. So he knows what he did wrong. You heard him afterwards. He knows the things that are needed now for this second part of his career. And uh, and that's the part I look forward to, the most to because most people don't know that part of Jose Ramirez. He, without question, I'm telling you, there is no bigger competitor. If we're sitting here, he's going to see who can spit further. Then he's going to argue with you about <laughs> it. Then if you spit further than him, he's going to go get a glass of water and he's going to spit for the next four hours until he beats where your line went. He just won't tell you for four hours he did that. He'll just invite you back over, bet you 100 bucks, and spit farther than you. That's what he's going to do coming up, and, and I just know that part of him. You know, that, that, you know, that knockdown when... And, and I say it, and, you know, people will say I'm biased, and th they can, and that's fine. But the way the ref handled that fight to this day, we didn't get the cleanest version or the, the, the real version of that fight like we should have gotten. The, the multiple clinching that the Taylor had done leading up to that, the ref, you know, and how he handled the breaks, not taking a point. The, you know, so when they did that one break, Jose's just – that was the ninth time it happened. So Jose's assuming, you know – that the ref step is stepped in, and that's what he's doing again. And then the ref kind of leaves his arm out, and and that's where I think Jose picks up the biggest lessons. And that's you're in a dog fight in a fight that big. There's there's no respect. That fighter across from you, he's yeah. not going to be respectful. He's not going to fight clean. He's going to fight dirty as can be to win that fight. And I think that's the lesson that Ramirez took out of that. 
because there's, as you could see the fight developing, even after Ramirez took a punch that he shouldn't have never taken, in my opinion, with the way the ref handled stuff, he still came back and won uh, almost every round, you know, towards the end. And then he still was dominating that fight, and those clinches had to happen. But, you know, that's, to me, that's that lesson he got out of it. That That's the, 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 the part that I know he's going to turn into, you know, like this, this, this special thing that makes him, you know, fierce as a competitor can get moving forward. And don't get me wrong, Taylor is without question the champion and an immensely intelligent fighter. And, and Taylor just was going to do everything he could to win that fight. And I think that's that mentality that you have to have going into those kind of fights. But I think that we were robbed of a pure fight in that fight to see what would have happened. And I think Ramirez's momentum's momentum, if not for that one point in the fight that, that you know, was the, the turning point, I think Ramirez pulls that fight out, you know, uh, and wins. But, you know, I think those two will fight again. Uh, Taylor, to me, belongs right now with beating Jose in that fight. And what Jose's accomplished, like, way up the pound-for-pound pound list, you know, then way more than some of these other guys. So uh, those two will see each other again. And I do think Jose will get... The, the last laugh in that one, picking up what he what he learned moving forward. I, I just, I know he will. Did you have a talk with uh, Kenny Bayless at all after the fight? Did you, did you explain to him or did you, uh, you know, ask him? I mean, what could I ask him at that point? I mean, it was, it was obvious he had the worst performance of his entire career. He just turned in what would be the, the absolute disaster of his entire career. I don't think he had a worse fight that he's ever done. It was depressing having watched the replay of that fight 19 times and counting the amount of warnings with no point taken. Watching him handle that break again without a defining, you know, uh, uh, position a ref's supposed to have. He's supposed to command respect, know what he's doing when a break happens. There's a break, not a timid half in, half out. You know, just it's disgusting when you have to replay it. But he was such a good ref in the, in, in the prior years, and he just, you know, a different version of Bayless, and, and and that fight is completely different, you know, completely different. And I don't think that a lot of people could argue that point, you know. Josh did what he had to do to win that fight. That's why he's the champion. He did what he had to do. But that fight controlled right. Nah, Jose wins that fight. I, I saw you af after the fight uh, um, at the elevator, and uh, you informed me, you said, Richard, that's just one loss. And you said you're going to see the way Jose rebounds after this. And uh, we're all looking forward to this. You know, there, there's one thing that sticks out in my mind. I asked Jose as we were walking out the door. I said, hey, um, how'd you get here? And this is the type of man that he is. He said, uh, the red car. He didn't, say, he didn't say the spider, the Ferrari. The, he said the red car. You see how long he waited to buy that red car? Yeah. He could have bought that red car three years before. but Three fights before. He's just a disciplined person by nature. Like, you know, you can give a lot of people advice and you can guide them, but they, they don't take it or listen. Yeah. He, he does, and he did. He He's just – I wish I was as disciplined as him financially and in a number of other ways. He's just a disciplined person, and, you know, he – he prioritizes things and he he's just incredible from that standpoint meaning 
He'll make sure his family's taken care of, his mom, his dad, his brother, his kids, and his wife. And until all that stuff's done, he won't think of buying himself a car. He'll feel guilty. Like, he'll personally feel guilty if he bought himself something or splurged. If all of that stuff wasn't done first, like, that's who he is. No, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Speaking of a splurge, because I do want to get to this question, and it's from, uh, I was going to say Charles Trimley, but it's Dr. Charles Trimley. I'll, I'll get to his in a little while. It's something you said just stuck in my head. Rick, when you splurge, what do you splurge on? What do you go after? I mean, what do you say to yourself? Okay, uh, maybe the, the, the next uh, financial breakthrough, I'm going to get myself this. What, what do you go after? What do you like? Um... I'm very subtle with stuff. I don't, I don't, I'm not flashy. You don't see me out anywhere, you know. So I have a nice watch, you know. I have, uh, you know, I have, you know, the the things that I, you know, wanted that are low key, but to me important, taken care of. But um, I guess a splurge for me is a trip, maybe, you know, just going, going, and going somewhere, and you know, not having to live on the phone or or email and just, you know, and just relax. Like that's a splurge. And ironically, like this is going to sound pathetic, but like being at home and watching TV and laying in bed is akin to what most people would think of going to Cancun and partying for the weekend. Like that to me is going to Cancun and partying, just laying in bed, watching TV and not having to think or do anything for one day. Like, that's that's my personal splurge, to be honest. So it's not monetary. It's I think time is the most valuable thing that anyone has any anyway. Absolutely. If someone spends their time with you, people don't know how valuable that is. And I think spending time on myself is how I splurge. Absolutely. I, I love those moments. And, and uh, there's nothing like relaxing because you get to relax in your own home. It's, it's good to visit and good to... Uh, uh, go new places, but there's, you know, hey, Judy Garland said it best. There's no place like home. No, it's just, this is true. Just giving yourself that, that little bit of time is to me the, the a splurge. I'm gonna take this question right now. Let me find this. He said, make sure I get this. No, not here. Oh, that guy's weird. Okay, this is coming from Doctor Charles Trimley. Ask Rick about. Ask Rick about how he got involved with Jose Ramirez and why and why does it take Rick seven weeks to return a call back? So he's full of shit because <laughs> he knows that if he puts important, I'll drop what I'm doing and call. If he just calls to call, I'm never going to answer the phone. Heck, I feel bad because my mom will just call and I, won't, I can't answer sometimes. But if he's well, how now I don't feel bad. Because you do that to me. He said it's important. He knows I will call him back. So he's just trying to be like a mini promoter right now. Tell him to stop. He's already become a doctor. As a doctor, he's not going to be a promoter and accomplish that anytime soon. He he is a... I've known him since I've known Jose. Uh, we all started at the same time. He has worked his way up to being, without question, the single best trainer, you know, conditioning, you know, nutrition... Uh, guy in, in the sport there's there's no one like him he's clean he's by the book and he's a walking encyclopedia of knowledge that you wouldn't even 
understand if he starts talking to you like the, the things that he understands that the body does how it reacts to things whether it's neurological stuff whether it's your metabolism whether it's how your muscle will grow detract how it acts under pressure i've seen every kind of trainer that are you know strength and conditioning coach those kind of guys i've seen every one of them in the sport in my time there's not a single one like him no but on top of that you know having achieved the level that he has with his doctorate just to complement what he already had anyway that's just a piece of paper to me he was always a doctor or had that doctorate to me he always had that he just has a piece of paper now that says it and if you know him you know that about him but he's a you can't add a person better to your team like you have to have a guy like that there like he's the guy you want to have and on top of that he will do anything for his fighters anything like he he would literally take a bullet for any one of his guys and i mean that that's on top of that he's their friend he you know he he cares about them uh far past any business that that he does with them but uh that's the special part of life you know you you get you start these journeys and you just you don't know where they go to start a journey and him still be here from day one with us I mean, that's a special thing you you don't get that very often if ever you know you you just don't but uh he's built his own client roster up that is second yeah. to none in the sport like he has everybody he trains everybody virgil ortiz mikey garcia jose ramirez jose cito lopez josh franco i mean this guy is has the best of the best of the best but He's just getting started. Where he's taking his own work is he's got his own ways to change the sport from an entrepreneurial standpoint. You know, his goal right now is to, you know, improve the sports safety issues, you know, from a neurological standpoint, to help with the concussion things, to make sure that these guys that are training these fighters are at least certified in the basics that they're not now with the commissions. Charles has come up with an idea and a plan that would enable these commissions to basically certify anybody that is a licensed trainer that they got to know these basics to protect the fighter weight loss you know weight cut probably one of the biggest things there is that yeah. screws up every every fighter you know medically charles has come up with a system that makes a trainer get or a person around the fighter get certified to handle notice certain things and save a fighter case in point same thing with the uh, concussion elements you know Charles is working on a project that would uh is revolutionary it's it's going to blow you away when it when it goes public yeah and uh it treats concussions and he's studied the neurological effects from sparring to preventive maintenance um and and come up with an entrepreneurial way to deal with the treatment of that of that recovery and the acute things when they happen so you're just seeing that guy get started and I'm saying it here first on your show you'll look back and see that when he's done, when his gloves get hung up, if he was a fighter, he will have changed the sport in two big ways. Mark my words. I believe you. I've known Charles for, I believe, uh, 15 years. Um, you know, I can call him a friend. Um, and just the way you said it best. I mean, he talks to you and treats you like you're his brother in, in, yeah, in the conversation. If but Charles has had... 17,000 girlfriends before he settled down and found the one that I know he's going to stay with forever, which was amazing to see. Charles has had about no, 18,000 girlfriends, not 17. Just, just so you know, we'll just put that on the record. No, I, well, I, I, I knew of that. I just wasn't going to say it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. No, I said it. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. 
And uh, no, um, I, we were um, we went to a celebration. I, I believe it was last week, and and I knew underneath my breath, I knew going in there, I said uh, they're probably going to be uh, possibly Mikey or Robert there or somebody, and Jose let, was let there. You, Charles has had. Bring that picture up, please. Charles, Charles had. I guarantee you, Charles had more girlfriends than Oscar <laughs> De La Hoya. It, your, take your best fighter that was a ladies' man. Will Chamberlain even. Charles oh, has beat shit. them all. I swear to God he has. Ask oh, Jose Ramirez. Ask anybody. Charles is number one, period. Well, I mean, he he, he does pull them like, like you know, like he was a um, Santa Claus on, on in telling his reindeer to go. I mean, and not just at, at once, and, but but... I, I've known Charles forever, but I'll 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 change that subject because he found himself a, a, a nice queen. Yeah, like I said, he's, he's good for life. He's found yeah. the one, and I, I'm so grateful. I am too. I, I've never seen him this happy. I agree ever. with you. And that's how I know, like, yes. okay, he's done. Yes, I'm pulling up that picture there. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's lit up. He is happy, and um, an, enough said. That's that. And most people don't know, like, he ain't just a regular trainer, like. This guy could kill you with his bare hands, literally. Like he, I'm not kidding. Like, he shared those stories with us over dinner. Yes, yes. he's trained anti uh, counterterrorism, anti training classes. Like this guy has taught special force guys how to go in there and like grab somebody by the neck and pull their artery out from their ear. Like this, he just knows every kill point on the body from all this specialized training and stuff he's been through. It's crazy. And little fact. Uh, unbeknown to most people is he even had an MMA fight against a big name. Ask him about that sometime when you get him on the show. He actually had an MMA fight against a known name uh, that will blow you away. Well, what's... Hey, I'm not surprised. Uh, You know, just like Nate Diaz said, but... What's in my mind, Rick, is, is you mentioned a fighter that you're getting ready to make an announcement, and, and yes, you, could, you yes. couldn't say anything. Can you let us know what's the weight class? Uh, I can't say that either because, I mean, obviously I wouldn't even get involved with someone that I really didn't, you know, think that there's some a lot to be done with him and, like, just amazing things. So I can't even tell you the weight class. Okay. I can, I can tell you that he's – you're going to hear a shitload about him afterwards. There's well, no question. You know, that's my opportunity. Someone else, you know, potentially didn't really know what they had or take, you know, the steps that they did with them. So, you know, that led to him being, uh, you know, completely free, which, you know, is the first thing I tell anyone, look, you know, if you're in, you're in contact with someone else, don't even talk to me. You know, so they, I make that known more than anything, but this 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 one here this will be fun like i'm excited for what's you know the opportunity here you should find out in about 10 days no i'm going to put this uh together right now i mean i, I it's it is. it's ready calculate and and when i do find out i don't need to google that shit okay just for the record rick when i do okay he's from california yes he is okay all right Let's find out. And, and like I was saying, and when I do find out, I don't need to Google it. I'll just find out. Oh, you know, you won't have to Google it. No, I, well, I'm just letting you know. That's the difference between myself and a lot of people that live behind a laptop. And there's, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no hurt and foul on that. I'm just, yeah, it is, it is what it is. There's one question that just, I, I remembered right now, and it's from Frank Astaire, because it sticks in my head. And I said, that's a great question. He said, 
what fight would he put together of fighters would be a blockbuster fight that he manages both at the same time or represents both at the same time? If you could put them together, what two would it be? Oh God, that's just too scary. Like, yeah, I dread that. I dread the day that that has to even take place. So, I mean, you know, the guys that I have, so yeah. I'll let you be the fantasy matchmaker and deflect that to you. Oh, Since man. you're not the guys like, behind the laptop and you actually do know the sport and you live, eat, sleep, and breathe it and have for decades, I'll let you make the fantasy fights with the guys I have. Go ahead. Okay, right now, this fight on paper is going to be scheduled for 12 rounds, but it's only going five freaking rounds, and we're talking about Jose Ramirez taking on Arnold Barboza. Is fireworks from round one to round five, and the best man will win that fight. Yikes, man. Look. Arnold's getting his shot quick. Like Arnold's worked his way up to the top of the food chain. I mean, he'll, you know, he's number two now. And I think the WBO after Taylor fights Catterall, you know, he could be stuck in a mandatory place. You could see their paths cross. Like there's, there's so many big fights that Arnold will get to, to choose from that could happen. Like you're going to see it. You know, he's got every option there is for a world title. He will be in a world title fight without question next year. So, who we don't know yet that is but scary. that would be a huge fight and look i can tell you this arnold and jose are both very respectful arnold yeah. is is intensely respectful but he has that competitive uh, heart and and, and 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 just like jose you know he's the same way so they would fight each other but they also respect each other and i tell you that because i know they respect each other immensely and that's the part i love about both of them you know that you know that's a that's a rare quality a lot of guys will talk shit, you know, to try to bait a fight in and, and, and go that route. There's no need when you have people that are like that. I mean, they're genuine people. They're respectful. They, they do care about each other's well-being as fighters and, and, and human beings, period. But they will fight each other in a heartbeat. That's that You've got to love that, you know. I love that kind of build-up to a fight versus the here's the villain and here's the nice guy. Like, I like that. I like two fighters that are immensely respectful, but they will fight at a drop of a dime against each other if need be. Like, that's what I like. Hey, exactly. I, I, I agree with you. I don't want to get off topic. I, I want to jump right back in here in, in, in October 16th, man. That is right around the corner. Um, what do we have planned that week? I need to know, bro, because I, I need to set my days off of work. It's so in my backyard. I need to be a part of it. Week, probably, but we'll okay. have a big press conference at most likely uh, Chick Chansey, followed by a meet and greet with, you know, Mikey, Jose, and Robert. Most likely, like that's what I'm working on right now to get set and done. So you know that'll be a fun night, uh, and there'll be a ton of people that'll attend that. Then I'm working on making the the weigh-ins public, so everybody can attend. So uh, you know, getting the weigh-ins set and done next week, making them public. You know, I know it's going to draw a ton of people. And, you know, Mikey is a fan-friendly, fan-first, appreciates-his-fans type of fighter. So, you know, Mikey's the type of guy that will sign autographs. And he, you know, he will stay. And so that, that's what's great about him. So if you're in Fresno and you're a fight fan, you know, you've got a chance to meet one of the all-time greats and, and him actually meet you, <laughs> you know. You can't pass up that opportunity in Fresno, California, to uh, not be, not just see the fight, but you know, have that opportunity to shake in the man's hand. Interact. How many, yeah, how many, how many people can say, "I should meet Robert, meet Mike, even Jose, 
you know, at the casino. You're going to have a chance to see these guys at the weigh-in. I mean, that's the, the you know, the Garcias are the first family of boxing, you know. <laughs> even even Very Big well G will said. be out here. Very well, well I mean, said. It's crazy. At Virgil's fight, I had Big G sitting next to me, right? Yeah. So right in the front row, right next to me. So, you know, uh, he said, he's, you know, because Robert was in Oklahoma at Franco's fight at the time. And so Robert's dad came to, to be there for Ortiz. So he sat next to me. I'm telling you, the fans that mob him, yes, like he's a, you know, Oscar De La Hoya. Like he, yep. every five seconds, someone's taking a picture. Well, Rick, him. it I started with him. It started with him. He was the root. He was the base. He was the dreamer. He was the believer. And now the fruits are all there. Fruits. Hey, that's one hell of a fruit bowl with the the fights that Mikey's had and the money he's made and the success Roberts ha- had and money he's made training and fighting as a world champion. That's, that's, that's all of Casa de Fruta. Forget the fruit bowl. I mean, that's these, it's made for a movie someday, period. Hey man, I already know you're trying to sign a uh, bear. <laughs> sign who? Bear. That's a, uh, uh, Robert's little, uh, grandbaby. Yeah. You see him, huh? You yeah. That little, that little, He's got that fight gene in him. It's like you can't describe it, but you know he it's has there. that fight gene in him. It's there. It's there. And that's yeah, just no, letting you is. know. It is. It's 100% undeniable. It's there. Any chance of a media workout? No. On this fight, they uh, they, they won't do a media workout. That's not something that okay. that match room uh, likes to do or does. But, again, you will have the press conference, and you will have a chance to meet those guys after. You will have the weigh-in. Uh, as well, which will be public. So, you know, those are two fantastic things in and of themselves. And, and we don't always get that even with our own fights. So, uh, so that there's definitely two special, you know, moments right there. Well, we're, we're very well in, in invested in, in the whole, uh, fight in, in, in Fresno. I mean, it coming back, um, live fights in Fresno, you know, cause Fresno fans got to see it in Texas and Vegas, but they, they, they have that itch and, and they get to, to finally scratch that itch October 16th. Um, we're taking our team down to Robert Garcia's Boxing Academy next Wednesday. So we're going to come back with some content. We're going to uh, do our due diligence and, and put the work in and, uh, you know, come back with some great content. And being that said, any chance week before the fighter's voice can give out maybe a pair of tickets? Yeah, absolutely. We can, uh, we can make that happen. We'll get you a few pairs. Just remind me you know, tomorrow, and uh, I'll get it set over the weekend so you can get them on, like, Monday or Tuesday. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get you a few pairs. Sounds good. And we're going to have to come up with some kind of fair contest, those, because, Rick, we didn't even get to all the questions on, on, on YouTube right now, and, and a lot were, were um, yeah, a lot were coming in. It's still well, coming in? if you need in? to, like I say, ask away if you need it. I'm, I'm on the phone. So okay. I, let, let, let's pull some up yeah. right now. What do we have? So a lot of them got answered because they said they got brought up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rick, um, I've been to most of your events. I've always noticed that you tend to take your time to watch the fights and really observe the crowd's reactions. Have you ever had a moment that you will never forget? That's yes, my man, yes. Eric Hernandez. Tremendous question. He put a lot of thought into that. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I do watch the crowd immensely, and I do watch things with the fight that you wouldn't even think I am. The, the reason I think I've been successful as a promoter is – there's one simple rule that I promote by, and that's you have got to make things emotional with your fight. Something has to touch them. Something has to make them cry. Something has to make them angry. You have to move them somehow, some way emotionally uh, to 
have done your job right. And if you move someone emotionally, it's something they never forget. They'll go to a fight, they'll go to 100 fights, and they'll forget 99 of them. But the one that they were emotional at, they won't forget that. And that's that's what I strive for. That's why I do look at the crowd. I do look and see how hard they're cheering or if they're crying during a moment. And that special moment for me was doing the cancer fight at the Save Mart Center. On a Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, I got the worst time slot in day that we could be given for a show to put on. And me and Jose said, we don't need this. We'll, we'll make it the best. And we did. We made that fight on a Sunday. Uh, about cancer and let's KO cancer. Uh, 10,000 people held a sign up that said, let's KO cancer. Uh, we went to the hospitals in advance. And Jose and even little Gabriel Flores would visit all the cancer people there. We'd hand out stuff, took pictures. We celebrated in the ring someone that beat cancer. They got to ring the bell and get a WBC belt. And uh, it just touched everybody's hearts in ways you can't even imagine. Giving these kids championship belts, putting two of them in the ring fight night. 14,781 people attended that fight on a Sunday at 5 o'clock on ESPN. It was one of the most emotional events you'll ever see. And for me, uh, my mom is dying of cancer, and uh, she has been to probably one event in my entire life, and I've done every comedy show, concert, uh, fight, you can name. Uh, And I got her to come to this one, and this was for her. And, you know... She was given a WBC green belt in the ring, and uh, uh, that moment is going to last me the rest of my life and probably the most special moment that I've had in my life doing any event. And uh, and I think everyone in the arena that night at some point had a tear teardrop in their eye, no matter who they were. If it wasn't for the kids that you know had were fighting cancer or beat cancer or the, the part with my mom that that was done. They were moved emotionally that night, and it was something that, you know, I don't think most people will forget if they attended. How often do you go to a fight and get that kind of energy and, and emotion and that kind of thing? And I think that's what uh, that's what I strive for, and that's what I look for uh, when I'm at an event. And what am I looking at in relation to the fighter? I'm looking at, to me, the manager part of me is is looking at the interaction between a trainer and a fighter. How is he responding to the trainer? What is the trainer saying? Are the fighter's eyes turning away? Does he have him motivated when he needs to be motivated? Is is the trainer talking loud? Is he talking soft? Those are the things as a manager I'm looking at, you know, in between rounds because, you know, in my position, it's always not the easiest thing. Fighters can't make the decisions for themselves that they need to once in a while. But, you know, as you grow through the sport, a manager has to be able to notice when a fighter is not reacting to a trainer and when he's not being motivated and when he's not uh, being listened to, you have got to pick up on those signs because if you don't, then you know, you're know you not doing your job. So that's the other thing I'm looking at from a fight standpoint. You know what, you just uh, answered my question uh, as well. And when we do give those tickets away, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, Name uh, your, your best moment uh, in attendance to a Rick Marie promoted fight. What what which moment was it? So that that's one that I am going to start asking, and the the best ones. Um, I'm going to award them some some tickets. They always have something. I mean, we've got had the fight for waters, the cancer fight, uh, Gabriel's fight in Stockton. That was incredible that I did there. I mean, you want to talk about a dry not a dry eye in the house? Everyone went from crying 
to going crazy, like pulling out guns ready to kill somebody when he fought. Like, that was probably one of the most emotional fights I did, too. You know, Gabriel's mother was killed in a drive-by in Stockton, and I put an empty seat by the ring with her picture on it so he could see that she was being honored and watching him when he came out. And then we did all the lead-ins, you know, from his city and what he went through in the neighborhoods that he had to overcome. And when ESPN put all that on the air and they put that seat on there and they, and then Joe Tessitore said live on ESPN, this is louder and more energetic than any fight I've been to at Madison square garden. And I'm not making that up. That's how electrifying and emotional it was in there. And after that fight was done, like I gave myself a pat on the back and, and I'll do another one right now because I pulled what I wanted to pull off. I wanted that emotion from that young man's life and story integrated into that arena that fight and on tv and what a magical night gabriel knocks his opponent out gets looped on sports center joe tessitore is going crazy and i'm telling you if you were in that arena then you would have been in the most exciting fight probably you've ever been to that night you went from tears to just ready to rumble yourself i, I was there and i i remember you, that that is left it hook a, is it is it an ounce less than what i just described no honestly no no it, you're absolutely right i mean that's what promoters don't do nowadays because they're lazy and they don't do their jobs and they don't, they that don't know pr- their fighters' backgrounds and they don't know how to write a storyline and they do, they they stopped promoting and and that's that's why we have so many boring ass fights that you see on TV they're just boring there's nothing there to watch you know but you'll have a good storyline October 16th you'll feel alive at the stadium and if you're from the Central Valley and you're born and raised from the Central Valley. Oh, you're going to connect to what you see with his walkout. You're 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 gonna feel very proud at that moment, like no other fight you've been to. Hey, man, I I've had the uh, privilege of, of hearing um, some of the ideas that were thrown that way, and I'm not gonna um, air it on on, on the air um, with, with conversations with, with both Mikey and, and Jose that I was privileged to participate in. One, yeah, that's a uh, you know. I took some time to think that one out, but I know it's going to strike emotion in a lot of people, including yourself. You'll you'll feel it. You'll feel it. Hey, man, I, I, I do. I do feel it. I mean, I'm going to share my moment real quick. I'm showing up to a fight. I'm getting ready to cover it. I don't know what's going on. I get one random call that's I usually don't get. And Charles says, hey, what time are you showing up? And I said, I don't know. As soon as I can get off work, I'm going to go home shower. I'm going to head down there. Um and I get there. There was no prep. There was no Richard get ready or anything. And I and I'm there, and I see a ten count for my son. Oh, you do remember that? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what keeps me yeah, going. Me and Jose talked yeah, about that. That was cool. We wanted to do something special for you because you had been covering everything. Look, it's one thing to get people to cover you when you get to a certain point. Yeah. It's another thing to have people cover you when you're starting and no one wants to cover you. Those kind of things you just don't forget. And at the time, like you were spending time after work and shooting videos and going to the athletes. I think the the Dan Gamble's and sh- you know you were showing up for every little press conference. And I mean, we're talking the first three fights we ever did. You know, you treated it like it was, you know, the the uh, Ali Frazier. You know, so you don't forget Still stuff do. like that. And neither did Jose. And you know that that fight that you're talking about was you know, just our way of kind of just letting you know that we appreciate stuff back. You know, that's that's what that was. I think you, you have his shorts still. I, <laughs> no, I, think, I got the banner. I don't have the shorts, but I, I got those, the banner. We've got to find those shorts. He's on those shorts. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. And that, that blew me away, too. It, it really did. I mean, 
just like when 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 Sean and uh, I get that video from Sean with Manny Pacquiao giving the thumbs up for Richie. I, I get told it. you that's just how he at. He probably was doing a twenty million dollar deal, and it just got done coming out of the Senate hearings in the Philippines and <laughs> did that. That's how he is. Like it just yeah. But but people don't forget stuff along the way, you know. No, uh, no. They, no. they don't. They're, they're gonna they're gonna show it and do it at the the time that you don't that you least expect. But they, you know, you you know they're thinking about you, you know, when they do and. You know that kind of thing. So it's it's always special to see that. And boxing has a, a lot of those kind of relationships in there. You know, they they it does. For all its bad stuff, there, yeah. it's also very close and uh, uh, emotional and caring at the same time of it being brutal and the wild west and 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 con men. It's 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 equally special when it comes to those kind of things. Oh, it is. I agree with you, and and, and that's why you saw. Uh, an emotional Richard Ortiz after the fight when I talked to you at the elevator after Jose's um, uh, last fight. M move, moving forward, man, serious, I'm excited. And I was telling people, they would ask the, the question, hey, you going to that fight? I said, absolutely. It's in our backyard. We have to be there. We have to embrace it. And, and, and here's the thing. A lot of people don't appreciate it until it's gone. Rick, coming up, you gave these fighters the opportunity to become stars that whatever they did was up to them once their opportunity for them to come inside of the ring for these big events a lot of them made their pro debut with 14,000 live fans because they were on the undercard of jose ramirez a lot of them met their wives and girlfriends from the events that i did or celebrating <laughs> at the nightclub afterwards you know and taking one of them home and marrying them like it's funny how life is but uh along the way there was quite a few guys that I got opportunities to fight with top rank signed to top rank. Um, you know, just, I didn't have to, my life would have been easier not doing it, but that was something that Jose and I had talked about. And Jose wanted to make sure that we, we gave other fighters from where we live a chance at least along the way. And, uh, when he told me that I gave Jose my word to make that happen. And, but that started with, with Jose as well, you know, yeah. I got to grow up in the sport from a fighter first standpoint, you know, but that's why I'm so passionate and fight the way I do for my guys is, you know, I got that from Jose. So, you know, what fighters care about most, what they need, just opportunities. And that was one of the things he talked about is they just don't get opportunities. There's a lot of talent around, but no one, no one gives them a chance. And that's where that came from. So we, we got like probably 15 guys chances along the way. And some have memorable moments and are still fighting, like Kalisto Madera. What he's probably, I, he's my favorite fighter. Like if I have to pick a favorite fighter, you said, "Rick, who's your favorite fighter?" It's him. I mean, he has been my favorite and most fun from day one. I mean, he had a fight of the year on Uni Moss, a bloody war at the Saint Mars Center once, and his just his personality and his demeanor. You just can't help but, but love the guy. So for me, like, he's my favorite guy. I still help him to this day. Like, if he called on his last fight, I helped him, you know, with the bout itself. Like, get it done. I didn't charge him nothing. Like, he's that favorite guy for me that, you know, I just love seeing fight, love his energy, love his passion. Uh, and uh, that's one of the stories. That came from Jose saying, Rick, get him on here. Let's get him going. And look, he's made a good career. You know, he's look how many times he's fought. And he just came off of Fox you know, sports fighting in, you know, I think that he's got a big Valley fight in him that I hope gets done. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call Lewis to Cuba and see, and, 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 and those guys and see if it can't happen. But 
I think Kalisto fighting Marky from from Fresno still is a big fight in the Valley, without question. Especially, especially now, you know, without question. You saw you saw what he did against Resendez. Yeah. You know, Marky upset him, beat him convincingly. You know, so Marky's got some real options now moving forward in fights. But one I would love is him and Kalisto because I had that fight done before. And it was set. I even have a poster and artwork done. It was going to be at Chansey on Fox Sports, but we had a problem, you know, with the television network and the setup in the back um, and the time of year it was at. They didn't want to take the risk of doing it outside at that time, and it fell apart. But it was done. Like, it was made, bout agreements done, artwork done, and uh, so that would be a great fight to see happen out here at some point, you know. I I agree with you. Actually, uh Kilo's coming in. Kalisco, uh, Kilo, but uh, let me see. He does have a question coming in here. Let me see. Where are we at? Okay. All right. He says, speaking of fantasy fights, Rick, if you could match me up in a realistic fantasy fight, who would it be? And what does he's, – he's talking like the third person. What does Kilo need to – That's it. <laughs> who was that against have, who? I would have Kalisco fight Ricardo Mayorga. Okay, I that's, can see that matchup. That's my fantasy fight. The, the pre-fight antics would smash Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Those two, I'm telling you. They'd go at those it. Two right, oh, my God. It would be the greatest fantasy fight ever. That would be a good fight. That, I, I mean, just, it'd be the fight yeah, before the fight. the fight. But the pre-fight lead-up. Yes. I mean, it'd be heaven for me. It'd be, heaven, it'd be a heavenly fight. It'd promote itself. You you got two outgoing flashy guys. No, you have two crazy psychotic, just real promoters that are fighters. Those guys know how to sell a fight. Kalisto knows how to sell a fight. Trust me. No, he he I does. Say, I wouldn't say that if if it wasn't true. You know that this guy can sell a fight. One hundred percent can sell a fight, and he did out here. You know, he put a lot of butts in the seats when he fought out here, and he sold those fights at the press conferences, the weigh-ins. I mean, you name it. He's an entertainer on top of being a fighter. That's what that's what I like the most about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see him back at it in, in, in Fresno. So, do we see any more opportunities? You, you talked about a possibly in January with, with Jose once again in, in Fresno, of a, a, a candidate. Is there anything between the 16th and, and possibly January? Say that again. Is there is there a, a, a fight for who? Between oh, oh okay. After the 16th. What's the next possible fight in Fresno? You 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 mentioned possibly in January with the return fight January, for Jose. That's the next fight. Okay. Late January. Well, then hey man, let let's get that uh Madman Hernandez and uh Calisco on that card, man. That'd be something. I would. And, and like I said, I'm I'm going to ask Luis de Cuba if there's a way to make that fight happen and, and see if that's something Mark you would entertain, but that fight out here, they both make a nice little chunk of money. You know, and they would fill a place. I know it because, you know, especially if I get to help promote it, you know, uh, I know it'll fill a place out here. I, I know it would. that's an entertaining fight that will have a good pre-fight buildup, you know, maybe put a world title fight on there and make that one the co-main event. It'll do its job in a big way. Rick, before I ask you this question, I, I want to make sure that we do address uh, the retirement of, of, of Manny Pacquiao. We're going to talk about that. But is it safe to say that Rick Morrigan is possibly, for the most part, misunderstood? 
because you have this big giant heart that you do for people. And then some people see um, when you're on the go. So they take that as, okay, well, he doesn't have time for me. People may not understand that you're right in the middle of the grind. I haven't really found Rick in a, in a middle place, me personally. I, I either I find that the, 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 I don't have a middle place. It's, you know, <laughs> the irony is, you know, if I let you see that side of me, then, then I've chosen to, and, and, uh, and that's it. Like, you know, everybody's not supposed to know you, you know, everybody's yeah. not supposed to have access to that part of you. So, you know, I, I mean, that's my honest answer to it. I mean, obviously they're going to say what they want and they do and they make their own conclusions and, and, and that's fine. I, I understand all of that and sincerely understand it. But <laughs> when the dust settles, you know, the, the side of you that you choose to show people, you know, you decide you know, who gets that side of you. There's a certain, if you're getting a certain side of me, that's because that's the side of me that you deserve or... Um, that I want you to have for whatever reason. If I don't like you or you're this or you're that, then you're getting a different, you know, that's just the best way to answer it. You know, Rick, how many times do you laugh before you post your stuff? Do you laugh to yourself? Like, okay, I got to oh, get I this out all the time. I, oh, all the time. If you're around me, trust me, you'll, you'll laugh too. <laughs> There's no, no shortage of laughter. I'm a smart ass shit talking funny person so that that's me in general so that's 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 a definite you posted something um a while back about maybe a less than a month ago it said something like um you know when i when i talked to you i knew it was the last time i was talking to you i said okay i'll talk to you later i knew it would be the last time i would talk to you but you didn't know that was the last time i'd be talking to you yeah you sent me that dumbass text message like no, I didn't say any of that. I was serious, and I looked at my phone, and I'm like, I'm thinking nothing to do with you. Like, I know you were trying to be funny, but I'm thinking you're trying to be serious, so I didn't even reply. No, no, I'm talking about when you posted something. Yeah, you... I know what I posted, but then you sent me a text, like, saying something like, so this is the last time I'm going to talk to you, and I didn't reply. I looked at my phone, like, oh, what is he doing? No, um, I, no, I, I didn't. Laughed, I laughed out loud at home by myself when you did that. <laughs> Or maybe maybe you just took it that way. Yeah, there you go. I'm posting your post right now. Yeah, there it is. There. Well, Rick. I mean, listen, man. You're more you're you're more than a promoter. You're you're a people's person. And rather they want to uh, admit it or not. No, yeah, yes, yes, you are. Whether they want to admit it or not, because they follow you and they love your humor. That that's the side that they choose to love. They may not love you as the promoter or the smartass. They may hate you, but they love the humor in that you're a real person. Oh yeah, no, I, you have to be if you're a promoter. All 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 the best promoters are people. Trust me, Bob Arum is the epitome of a people person. Like you have no idea how funny he is. Just how he'll interact with people. That's why he lasted so long in his position. Like, this guy genuinely does care about people, and he can go sit in the middle of the hood and eat at a taco stand and then go right to Maestro's afterwards and, <laughs> and, and meet the president of a foreign country. But you have to have that as a promoter to succeed. You have to have that background and that ability to interact with anyone and everyone, and you have to just genuinely enjoy people, period. You, you do. You have to embrace the human being, man, and, and, and learn from them. 
Absolutely. That's why some promoters don't make it and, you know, just, you know, you know who they are without even saying their names. And then that's why others flourish and they, you know, they take things to another level like he did, you know. When you see these young promoters, do you think that they just want their name on the poster? They want to say, okay, I, I did this or are they doing it for the right reasons? There's no such thing as like promoters to me. There's like four real promoters. That's it. Guys that are real promoters. And then there's some that have big names that I don't think promote and do their job at all. And that, matter of fact, they, they have taken their position for granted and not used it to its full potential. But there's, there's just a handful of real promoters in, in the business. There's, there's not a lot. There's a lot of people that think they're promoters, but you know, if you drop them off and a real promoter on an Island, the real promoter would, be able to put an event on and have it packed and figure out talking to some natives in a native tongue <laughs> and get them there while the other one would just die period in a native so, tongue well, how would that how would that conversation sound in that native tongue it's just like i would be on that island and i would be communicating with clicks and rocks and whatever else, hand gestures and i would get them to come watch my event you know period like that's what <laughs> that's what a real promoter would do like they're going to do anything and everything they can to sell that fight <laughs> they're going to get out and work and they're going to they're going to do what, what a lot of other people don't do and that's work like it's not easy asking sponsors for money it's not easy going to news outlets and you know having to make stories up for them to do their job because they can't like it's hard work doing that stuff so that's why i just know that you know you there's just a handful you know and there's some that, again, that are public, and I'm not going to say who, that that just do a horrid job. It's just it's disgusting. It's like you wish if you had those opportunities, what you would do. You know, you think about stuff like that, and then you think, well, you know, that's not how the world works. But No, no it's not. I, I want to get back on, on your post, too, because this is the side that I enjoy. What do you think, personally, is, is your funniest post? And there, there's two of uh, that stand out w with me that, that were video posts. I have no idea. I've got I've posted what four thousand different things on Instagram. I, well, I remember I remember you you posted something like, "This is what I do. I hit this bag. This is what I do when when Ramirez don't return my call." And there was some guy, some kind of Neanderthal guy or something, punching a hitting a bag. Do you remember that one? No, but that sounds like something I would do. That sounds like something I would post. Or and then you said, but, um, that's, the but then that's like a, there's an underlying true tone to that. Is post. there? Like it's funny as hell, but it's also very truthful. <laughs> I'm saying that because I'm just trying to think of some some good ways to give out these tickets, man. But I want I want to make it fun for everybody, and I want them to to really dig down. I'm not just going to give them away; they're going to earn the two. So uh, the the yeah, pair or, or the couple. Why they deserve the tickets? Yeah, and no lame answers. Like it has to be the most creative thing that they've ever come up with to get those tickets from you. I mean, that's, that's what I would do if I was you. Absolutely. And expose them on your show. If they do the lame, because I, it's my sister's birthday and I want my sister to go with me. She really likes boxing. Like that's the person that you need to just make fun of and not stop for 10 minutes. Like that's what, that's what you can't have to win the contest. You know, you need that person that, just gives you the most creative reason why you know like they just got out of prison and they're 
you know, their their ex baby's mama with one of the fighters, and you know, he just wants to go so so he can see the fight, and because he really likes that new fighter, but it's his baby's mom too, so he wants to see her. Like you need something so stupid like that to win. I agree with you, and also show proof that you subscribe to the Fighters Voice YouTube channel, man. We got to get those subscribers up, so I will use it to to warrant, uh, you know, where it works out for everybody, and uh, you know, and then we'll hear from from the winner. You know, we'll have them post a picture, and and we'll do all the above because uh, that's what it's all about, man. Giving back, and for them to earn it, we're going to give back that way, and and we'll put them on the platform for about maybe five or six, seven seconds, I mean, and they can say every something. Major boxer, I can even imagine on your show it's crazy like it's you've literally had everybody i mean that's a that's definitely something to be proud of from where you started this thing you've had every single friggin' person you can you can imagine on there so uh your grind is definitely you know paying off but you know, you're gonna have to do something no matter what it is for about 10 years before it just pops off it sounds stupid but it's, it's, no i mean but as soon as you get to that tenure, you know, you're, you start to see a magical door open, you know, me included. Just once you put that time in, it just the doors just start opening. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, we'll just we'll just uh, can continue doing what we're doing. And, um, you know, I, I say to myself, when I have a certain guest on there, I don't want to take a back step. I want to continue to have those type of guests on there and continue to push forward. And and, and I reflect on it just like. These Fresno, and I'm going to say this, these Fresno fighters had full access to Dr. Charles Tremley and did not cash in when they had him in their backyard. And now he's at the world-class level and should have, would have, and could have doesn't amount to anything. It's that opportunity, man. And look what he's yeah, doing no, now. It's, it's the truth. Look, there's, there's guys from Fresno that I really wanted to ma manage, them, and I'm not going to say their names, that I didn't get the chance to. And... It's the same. It's the same thing. It's like you have no idea what I would have done for you, how much I actually care, and what I would have achieved. And they all made the wrong decisions, and they paid for it. And I'm not going to say the names, but they paid for those stupid mis decisions that they made. But that is the truth. To have this kind of set up in your backyard and not use it, or you know, utilize not understand it. it, you just you've lost before you've even started. Exactly. And, and I agree with you. Well, Rick, you know I got to get you on, man. One day I got to get you in studio. I don't know. I know you don't operate that way because you're always on the go. But we got to get you in here some way, somehow. Um, you know. Yeah, it's just I am. I am constantly on the go now, so it's just it's harder. But. Well, shit. I'm hey. I'm gonna bring the studio to you. But I am gonna get you down here. If I gotta have you kidnapped or something, or or one of those bears in your backyard. See, they're there. They're just scoping you out. They're actually, Rick. They're working for me. Okay, let me confess right now. These these animals that are in your backyard, they're working for the fighter's voice. They're working for me. They're gonna strap you up, tie you up, and put you in this chair right here, and put a microphone in your mouth, and then you'll be a live guest. Hey, those bears are big ass bears. They're they're no joke. I'm, I'm telling you, they're they're not little. These are big bears, dude. Well, 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 listen, maybe the next promotion is is the circus in your backyard. Can you see that happening? I definitely could charge people to, to sit up here and, and, uh, and see what comes up. Don't think I haven't thought about it. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> on what's going to pop up next on on the on, on the camera, right? Absolutely. I mean, there will be something show up. I mean, there's no question. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think you're going to get, um, you know, uh, the Yeti, the Sasquatch, the the Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be. That thing uh, is definitely out here behind hey, me. Hey, do you hear any howling at night or anything? Anything different being out there in your yeah, new no, location? There's, 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 there's coyotes and wolves. I ain't talking about coyotes and wolves. I'm, I'm talking lying. about stuff you don't recognize. No, I didn't recognize anything. No, you recognize everything. Is there something that you don't recognize? There's one little possum looking animal that i haven't quite figured out yet but that's about it i've even had a skunk uh <laughs> pop in like just wild crazy stuff yeah that's that's the that's the whole Little life cats, there's like i've seen a cat that definitely made it with, with some kind of wolf or mountain lion or something up here you know maybe that's what that little creature is but i'm <laughs> certain that there's house cats that have made it with something wild and created this little weird you know version of itself out here well what makes you think it's crossed with the cat the cat like look the tail and the, the the you know the face but it's just like far bigger i mean it's not as big as a mountain lion but it's definitely bigger than a cat and it's just it's got weird teeth i'm telling you okay man i mean hey we'll capture that uh, sell some tickets and uh, uh, get you connected to to the the Animal Planet, and that's the next event. <laughs> Absolutely, you might see a fight up here in the wilderness. You never know. Well, you never know, man. Well, you know, it's, it's always a pleasure, man. I mean, you for giving us the time, and you're always uh, entertaining, man. At that, and I kept digging and digging towards the end because I want to pull out a little bit of the uh, of you. Uh, a little bit of you that people don't know, maybe those close to you know, or those um, may change their opinion about you. And I know you really don't care whether they do or not, just as long as they buy a ticket and smile and, and last the whole while. And you know, that that's, that's the business of the sport. And that continues to drive you and, and push you forward. Cause um, you know, you know, if, if you stopped at every time someone said no, or didn't believe in you, cause we've talked about this before. That's why I asked you what, how many times did people tell you no during this event and, and where you are today? Yep. I appreciate it. So uh, I'll see you on fight week and uh, get ready for some new information to get dropped next week and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to figure that out. It's from California. You couldn't tell me the weight. You couldn't tell me too, too much going on. This person had an opportunity, didn't cash in on, and this person wasn't promoted or managed right. So they used to be with somebody. It's a it's a it's a decent name. We're gonna be surprised. So I'm already putting it together. It's better than a decent name. Yeah. Well, does this person have a nickname? Nope. You ain't getting it. <laughs> is this is this person look like me? Is 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 he a Mexican American or does he look like you? Did you he know? Mexican. He is Mexican. Yes, he is. Okay. Wow, in California, a Mexican? Boy, I'm surprised. Rick, did you know the first time I saw you, I thought you were African American? I'm sure I'm sure you did. <laughs> I've been, first I've been Puerto Rican. You do look Puerto Rican. Mexican sometimes, like it's just I've got it all. And you, you know you do look like uh Danny Swift Garcia. I know you've been told that before. I need I need Danny Swift Garcia's bank accounts where I can. <laughs> uh well, yeah, and uh and Crazy Angel, too. The Birdman. Yeah, he's a colorful character. I've met him once. 
Yeah, they're, they're pretty uh, uh, down to earth. I would love to have the Birdman on the podcast. I'm working on Theofimo's uh, dad. I just can't get the right um, um, time because, of course, until after the fight's over. But uh, that would be entertaining. And once that happens, because you put out a challenge list for me one time. And, uh, yeah, during... his dad, is a, his dad is, a, is a definitely a colorful boxing yes. personality and just one of those guys in the sport that, you know, you look forward to seeing, you know, during fight week and seeing what he says next or how passionate he is about his son. Like, he's a he's great for the sport. Absolutely. Without question. Well, that's a great combination there. Well, Rick, those that don't know how to follow you, how do we follow you, man? How do we stay in tune with you? Instagram, just at promoter559, that simple. At Promoter559 on Twitter, it's at RGM Promo. Uh, not as active on there, but but I do get on there and go to war with people once in a while. But pr- primarily uh, Instagram. Hey, man, wish you the best. We're looking forward to October 16th. Um, wish us well. We're going to head up to Robert Garcia's Boxing Academy next week, next Wednesday. Uh, credentials came in. I'll be covering the Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury trilogy. I'm excited about that. And uh, bring back some content for the Fighter's Voice, for Rick Merigan and, and all the followers and supporters of the Fighter's Voice. And those of you who haven't subscribed, please subscribe at www.youtube.com slash the Fighter's Voice. And remember, every fighter has a voice, and so do you, and so does our guest, Mr. Rick Merigan. Once again, thank you. And as always, it's a wrap. Thumbs up for Richie. All right, take care, you guys. Take care. Let's go.